Hey everybody, it's Christina Caramo and welcome to It's Solid Food. Folks, we feel like we're at war, don't we? We feel like we're in a hostile open combat. Now, the thing about it is, is that we've always been at war. It's just with social media and the 24-hour news cycle, things are being brought to our attention at every proportions that never had been brought before our eyes as before. So we're now we're faced with many of the things that have been going on in our society like never before. In addition to the fact that the hostility towards truth has intensified. And we're going to get into that. And how do we fight back? You know, the thing about it is, folks, oftentimes when we try to fix issues in society, we want to fix it from a top-down approach, right? Because it's the most immediate. So if you take a small child and you tell them, don't get the cookies off the table. You cannot have them. Now, a top-down approach would be me simply removing the cookies from the table so the child can't access it in the first place. That's a lot easier. Wouldn't it be better if the child said, you know what? I'm not going to take the cookies off the table because my mother told me not to. That would be way better, wouldn't it? We all would agree. Won't that become something? It's a bottom-up, something in that child change. And we need to take both approaches to society depending on the issue. Now, if you have a child who just refuses to cooperate and without punishment, then yeah, um, maybe sometimes a top-down approach may work better. It just depends on the situation. You're not going to leave uh, a 9 or a, a 9 millimeter weapon, a 9 millimeter gun, I'm saying, in front of a little kid and hoping that they are their heart is right and they won't touch it. Some things you have to take a top-down approach. So we're just not going to leave it. In, in, a, in an area where you can get it. But there are opportunities where you want to use a bottom-up approach. Why am I saying this? Um, as we look to fix issues in our society, we have to remember that all of the knowledge in society that we turn to must be filtered through the Word of God. Oftentimes, I'm seeing a lot of Christians turn to these vain and worldly ideologies to be their ra rallying cry. We are supposed to look at things that are offensive to God first and foremost to be the things that we're fighting against, not the things that we personally feel are unfair or we think that should be looked at. Because oftentimes the things that many people complain about will necessarily be fixed the more people you have in society who walk with Christ. And that's the thing. That's why in this show I interweave politics, social issues, and apologetics all because it, it overlaps. And the reasoning, even when I uh, introduced after the intro, which I'm going to play in a moment, right? I said, you know, we discuss all things in Christian apologetics. And the reason why I mentioned that first, because all knowledge, all understanding must first come through a biblical worldview. Because if your worldview isn't rooted in the word of God, if, it, if God isn't the source of your understanding, then it's by default going to be faulty or lacking in some regard. I mean, there are people who deny the knowledge of God, deny the existence of God, and still make good points and say truthful things. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be something lacking. And that is the problem in our society. It's hearts without God. As I said before, you need both the top-down and the bottom-up approach. But the bottom-up approach is more critical because I can, like with abortion, as I mentioned before, we, have, we can make abortion illegal. But if the hearts of the people in society have not changed, they'll just find another way to do it. The goal isn't just a legislative victory for my team, my red team. The goal is to save the lives of children. 
the goal is to have a society where women aren't faced with an unplanned pregnancy or, or when I say an unwanted pregnancy. That's what we want. That's the bottom-up approach. And that's going to be more critical because if you have millions and millions and millions of hundreds of millions of Americans who are radically sold out for Christ, we wouldn't have to march against abortion. If you have millions and millions of people radically sold out for Christ, we wouldn't have to march against you know, the, 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 the bizarre sexual agenda. If we had hearts sold out for Christ, we wouldn't have to worry about societal injustices. We wouldn't have to worry about businesses exploiting people where they have no choice but to unionize. Then the people who are running the unions who are supposed to fight on behalf of the workers turn around and exploit the workers, take their money and siphon it off to their friends and really are in cahoots with the politicians and do nothing to actually benefit the workers. You know, you know, the thing, like, like I said, I was talking to someone Think about labor unions. And oftentimes people think that conservatives are necessarily against labor unions, and that's not true. Um, I'm not opposed to labor unions in and of themselves because oftentimes I've witnessed this in being a 35-year-old adult and have worked at many places. I've witnessed companies abuse workers. I've seen it. Deny workers all kinds of things, do all kinds of terrible things to their workers. So workers want to get together and say, hey, you know, you're not going to treat us this way. We're going to push back. That is not a problem. The problem becomes is when the unions have make a unreasonable demands or b the unions themselves become corrupt and could become nothing more than political machines. And so they get in bed with politicians to, to push their particular agenda. And so now they're more interested in the transactional relationship with the politicians than actually benefiting their workers. So you have a lot of these like labor unions who will support Democratic politicians who turn around and export and kill jobs. So are you really working on behalf of the workers or are you working on behalf of yourself to make sure you have power, you support the politicians who support you, and then you actually never do anything to help your workers? So, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot going on. But companies, you wouldn't even need people, you wouldn't even have, people wouldn't even feel the need to have to unionize if you had companies ran by people who are on fire for Christ and wouldn't exploit their workers. And then say if you had labor unions ran by people who are on fire for Christ, they're going to operate differently and won't engage in exploitive practices themselves and genuinely work on just looking out for their workers. So it's all types of areas of society that would necessarily be improved if people truly follow Jesus Christ. Or when you talk about issues of police abusing citizens. Again, if you have, and it's not that it happens all the time, but I think in one case in particular, a woman my mother went to high school with, with wrote a memoir about her life and her mother, um, not her mother, excuse me, her, the woman that my mother went to high school with, was being raped by a cop for years and years. It's weird because this woman was a former drug addict and this police officer knew about it and he told her like, hey, if you don't go along, if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to have your children taken away from you. So, I mean, again, if this man was on fire for Christ, he would have went and got the woman help, not sit here and keep raping her. You know, these are the types of things that go on in our society. The list goes on. The list goes on of ways society would necessarily improve if people follow Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some of the top-down approaches that's necessary to fix our society. We're going to get into details, and that's what we're going to talk about. I'm Christina Gramo, and now it's time for some solid food.
2, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So as I was saying before, the way we truly improve society is from a bottom-up approach, not just top-down. Now, of course, you need top-down legislation in order to stop um, criminals and certain activities from happening because you will always have people who want to break the law. You will always have people who want to do their own thing. But as we lobby to change society, we must root it in um, the knowledge of God and in God's word. And so um, I think of some of my friends, and I, and I think about this a lot. I have people that I know who are Orthodox Christian. When I, I, when I mean Orthodox, I don't mean like the, the denomination like Orthodox, like Eastern Orthodox or whatever, Ethiopian Orthodox. I mean like small Orthodox, people who believe the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. And um, that Jesus is the only way. They believe that God is a triune being, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying. They're orthodox in that regard. But yet they will sit and lobby or in some ways kind of defend and support um, leftist politicians. And the reason why um, I noticed they do this is because they are really interested in what they call justice, right? So they feel like, um, you know, it's not right that we have all these poor people in society. They're upset that ethnic minorities tend to disproportionately do worse in society. They are bothered by these things, and none of us like those things. However, the problem is, is that their solutions are, are not rooted in the knowledge of God. Their solutions are binding with people who want to rid society of Judeo-Christian values. And it's kind of like, guys... You're, you're not going to hit deal with issues of poverty and disproportionate uh, uh, poverty and crime in certain communities by partnering with people who want to squash the gospel from being spread in society. And, you know, someone I was talking to um, said, well, you know, they said, I'm, they said, I'm a Democrat. And, you know, I've been to plenty of events where, you know, they, we pray in Jesus name. If you want to know what's going on with the Democratic Party, just watch the inauguration of Joe Biden. You know, and I'm like, it's like this. If there was an event where, say, you know, they had different people get up and, and pray or what have you, I understand where, where uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't even think of it right now. My God. We're a, uh, there's like an America melting pot or a salad bowl. Um, we're a pluralistic society. That's the word I'm looking for. We're a pluralistic society. Um. Well, here's the thing. I understand that, say, if, you know, you're at an event and say you have a rabbi, I mean, he's a rabbi, you know, but, but the thing about it is if the person is getting up and they, I'm a pastor of a Christian church or versus saying a mom, yeah, I, I expect the mom to do an Islamic prayer. I'm not salty about that. I understand. Right. But if you have a Christian pastor who won't even say the name of Jesus Christ, Houston, we have a problem. And so Joe Biden's, um, his inauguration, none of the Christian, quote unquote, Christian pastors mention the name of Jesus Christ. Then they're not Christians. Jesus tells us, if you deny me before others, I would deny you before the Father. And then uh, the, the House, uh, uh, a particular Democratic representative who's supposed to be a Methodist, um, uh, was praying, and he invoked the name of Brahmin. He said, in the almighty monotheistic God, Brahmin, known by many other names. I'm like, Brahmin? Excuse me? 
Hinduism is not monotheistic. Um, I'm gonna need for you to pick up a book, sir. So it's like, and I, and I appeal to my Christian friends who tend to tend, tend to lean the politically left as far as economic issues and certain social issues. It's like, um, so you want to partner with people who reject Jesus Christ to get this done? How how you ain't gonna do this way when the ultimate problem that you're looking at is a heart problem? That's a heart problem. When you have, like, and I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, you, you look at a lot of these uh, struggling communities, no matter where you go in, in, in America, oftentimes it's from dysfunctional families. That's the problem. That's not something the government can fix. That's something that's the job of the church to fix. And then you talk about, like, poverty, you know, again, that's something for the church to deal with. It's not the church deals with it by giving out money necessarily but the church deals with it by seeing what are the root causes in america was precipitating a lot of the poverty is dysfunctional families producing dysfunctional children who struggle to function in society as whole adults and then two a lot of the families are broken and so you have mom bearing the burden of both parents by herself that's not something government can fix and you're partnering with very, the very people who are personally, partially responsible for the condition by pushing sexual depravity in society. Because that's why we have such dysfunctional families in America. And, and I've, I haven't talked about it a lot lately because I've been dealing more with the politics side of, of our society. But that's the problem. You have hordes and hordes of children being born to single parents. And, and, and I say that as a divorced parent. There's, it, it, you know, when I was sitting on the sex education board, and I brought stuff from time to time from DPS, they want to teach kindergarten that some people have two mommies and two daddies. False. Negative. It's their parent and their same-sex sexual partner. That's, there's no such thing as two mommies and two daddies. The kid has a mom and a dad. But likewise, they want to teach the kids that some people have a single parent, and that's okay. No, it's not okay. And I say that as a single parent. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's hard. It sucks. Talk to me and my kids. So I don't understand why you want to start teaching kids that this is okay. Just because people do something or something exists in society, that doesn't mean that we should teach it as it's normal because it's not normal. It makes the society hard. It makes life hard. A lot of women are having poor health. All kind of stuff. It's like a little lightning bolt I got at the top of my head. Yeah, I've been stressed out since I was like 29 years old. Raising kids is being a single parent. So you, you, you cannot sit here and partner with people who want to go against the knowledge of God to fix society. And, and, I, and I, I'm so perplexed by that. And so some of my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I, and, I, and I just think they're severely misguided. I think I know they're severely misguided. And they sit and say, well, we can pray in Jesus' name. Yeah, in your little circles, in your little community, you go to a big democratic event and start talking about Jesus Christ. They will throw you out there in a heartbeat. I remember once I was watching a Democratic event. This is somewhere out west. And somebody who was a Democrat, was a Christian, he got up and called on Jesus. And I think I mean, he might have called for repentance. I don't know. But he was praying to Jesus Christ and that can heal our land and turn people's hearts. And they start howling in this event, start howling like demons. Just, I mean, ah, I mean, really, I wish I could put on a display of how these people were howling like it was an exorcism going on. And I'm not being dramatic. I'm not being dramatic either. So I'm confused. How are you going to partner up with people 
who don't like Jesus Christ to fix society. Who are offended, like in, in Michigan, our attorney general. She was mad because someone wished her a Merry Christmas. She was upset. And you really think you're going to partner with somebody like that to fix society? Are you crazy? It's because you're putting your flesh, your feelings before the knowledge of God. For all the faults and flaws with conservatives, and there are some, but with us being professing Christians, we already have a foundational truth that we agree on. So at that point, if there's issues you feel like we aren't dealing with enough, you have a foundational starting point for discussion, which is the word of God. But you think you're going to compromise and work hand in hand with people where you're only allowed to say the name of Jesus Christ in your own little Christian leftist circles, but just no one in the world you could say it to an event. I could go to any Republican event, any right wing or conservative event, anyone. And stand up and say, we need to repent and follow Jesus. Now, unless I was at, say, maybe a Jewish community center, I may not say that. But again, if, that's like even if I was, say, say, for example, if you're at a Democratic event and it's like uh, at, a, at a, a Sikh temple or something like that. Yeah, I wouldn't expect you to get up and say, y'all need to repent and follow Jesus. I understand that. But just as an open forum where anybody can say what they want, you guys will never be allowed to say that. You know it and I know it. Unless you were sitting in a church with a pastor. And he then probably tiptoed around the issue. Just like the guy from, I forgot where he is, Oklahoma or Kansas. I forgot where he was from. It was just a disgrace when he invoked the name of Brahmin. He's not a Christian. He's a fraud. He's a fraud. And so that's that's the point. You guys have to understand something. That you can only start from good ground. Healthy plants don't grow from rotten ground. And when you think to partner with people who reject Jesus Christ to be a good starting point, no. No, and then all their theories just tickle your skin, your flesh. They don't tickle anything good. So that's that's my two cents on that. And so even as um, I talked about it last week with my conservative friends, even the issues that we fight against, it all starts with the ground up. It all starts, as I talked about last week, about discipleship. And the thing about it is, is we have to strengthen our families because strong families build strong communities. Strong communities build strong societies. And we have to find creative ways to mentor the people in our society. And it's not for political gain. Politics is just one area. It's like the power, it's the power force, it's the power arm of society. That's the way I would word it. And let me explain what I mean before I go further to my previous point about politics is the power arm of society. Um, in society, we have different facets, right? And, and politics is the enforcement. So like entertainment, education, I mean, those are just like advisory, informational, influential aspects of society, correct? Right? An entertainer can't compel me to do anything. A teacher can't compel me to do anything unless the teacher has government behind them. So every other aspect of society is just influential. Politics and government, however, is power. And they can make me do something. They can't allow me to do something. This is why we talk about politics in this way. So it's not that politics is the most important thing because it's not. 
It's not the most important thing. The most important aspect of society, of the most important aspect of society, to make sure that people are following Jesus Christ. However, however, if if you have smaller swaps society of people who are not, then necessarily the art they create will be going against the knowledge of God. The uh, education. Uh, will be training children to go against the knowledge of God. And then the politicians, the policies will be completely self-serving, go against the knowledge of God, and they see no problem in exploiting other people. And, And that's the point where I'm trying to make. So we have to, um, take the time to teach young people and put pressure on our churches to do a better job of discipling young people. And let's, and let's step back. Let's, kick politics aside for a minute because I think some people kind of kind of um, get so sidetracked on the, the political aspect of what I'm talking about and, the, and why I think politics is so important because where you can park your car is decided by city ordinances. How late a store can open. Like the city I live in, <clears throat> I don't even think they changed it yet, but for a long time, you couldn't serve alcohol on tap. Now you can have like a, a liquor store or something like that, or you could, but restaurants, I think they, I think they could maybe serve like cans of beer. It was something like that. Basically you couldn't have a bar. You basically couldn't have a bar. And they did that for a reason because they wanted the, our community to be a certain way. Now I don't know if it's still like that now, but you get the point. So the fact that your kids have to go to school, the fact that if you choose not to enroll your children to school and homeschool, there's a process for that. Some states are trying to make it illegal for you so you can't homeschool your kid. And then if I can't homeschool my kid and you want to close up charter schools and private schools and the only thing left are government schools, that means the government has a complete monopoly over the minds of our children. You, you see why we fight for politics? It's not about my team. This is not Super Bowl. And I talk to some people and they're so naive. They act like politics is just like some kind of like sports competition. Like my team won, your team lost. Oh my God. (laughs) Like this isn't the Super Bowl. This is life. At any rate, I digress. I digress. Um, As I was saying, the the thing about it is that we have to train up. uh, 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 We have to improve our families. And we have to spend time um, training up people in the knowledge of God. Now, how do we do that? You know, that is kind of a confusing question because it's very difficult. Many of us feel like we are we don't have the ability to do so. We don't know where to go. And many of us are looking for leadership. But the leaders start with us. You know, I started this podcast to be informational, to get information out and help to encourage people. And as I listen to other people's podcasts, it has encouraged me. As I mentioned, I'm a parent. So... You know, um, I've listened to podcasts about how to be better, how to better disciple my children, how to make sure that you're spending enough time with them. You know, things of that nature. One of the reasons Caesar has been able to carry off the minds of our children is because we're so distracted. We're very distracted in our society. We're very distracted by all these things, by work, by life, by our own self, by this technology, entertainment. We're very distracted that we, we don't pay enough attention to our children's minds, and they're being carried off into these vain secularist ideologies. That's what's happening. And, and, and then, too, what do we do for the kids already in our neighborhoods that aren't our children, are in our communities? How do we reach those children? 
You know, it's it's a we we have a as I you know, as I record this episode, I know I probably seem a little bit all over the place, but it's just because it was just so many thoughts flowing through my mind. It's like it's so much it's like a real uphill battle we're in. Because forget politics for a second. We have 230 million people professing the name of Christ in America, folks. It does not look like that. Does it really look to you as though two-thirds of Americans are Christian? Absolutely not. I would argue 50 to 60% of those people claiming the name of Christ simply aren't. They act as though they've been grandfathered into the Christian faith. No, you don't get grandfathered in. You have to make a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ. And what's happening in in our society is that, you know, our our kids, because they haven't been properly shepherded um, in the knowledge of God, they are, their minds are being carried away by the entertainment industry, um, the educational institutions, and the news media. And that's who's influencing their mind and their friends, who unfortunately many times have been influenced by the same institutions themselves. They have been. They have been. And so, you know, what what do we do? That's how we make real social change. You know, I was watching that um like a four-part series on Netflix about the night stalker. And and I have heard about that because I follow crime and punishment stories, but that is crazy. This man was, I mean, he was demon-possessed. He was demon-possessed. You mean, you listen to the story, this man was completely demon-possessed. I mean, he just went in people's homes. I mean, just any kind of crime you could think. Just any, I won't even repeat, just any crime you could possibly imagine, this man would do. It was just about just degeneracy of the highest level. You know, even, even a lot of serial killers, you know, I think many people are, there's a difference between people who are demonically possessed and people who are demonically influenced and inspired. We have people who are demonically inspired and influenced. This dude was just straight up demon possessed, okay? The way he acted, it, just, it was just unreal. And, and I say that, you know, how does that happen to people? How does, how does that happen? And if you, you listened to one of the episodes in part four, they got into a little childhood, like his parent, his father would, um, when he would misbehave, he would like tie him up in a cemetery overnight. Like, who? does that to their kid take your kid to a cemetery and tie him up and leave him out there overnight because they were misbehaving wow way to make him crazy you know and and so my point is is that of course you know, you know most people are not doing kind of stuff like that but it's just sometimes you turn to extreme examples to point out something that's simple you know what i mean because sometimes you don't see how bad something is until you see the extreme so we see how as children, people are trained up to be a certain way. That doesn't absolve the individual responsibility, but we can see how their childhood factored in. And unfortunately, many people have been trained to not follow God and to follow themselves. It's all about self-love and self-gratification and self-edification and self-upliftment and help me like this and self this and self that. And, and so we become so self-centered that we turn into monsters. And this goes back to my point in politics. We become so self-centered that we turn into monsters and that we are willing to do anything to appease ourselves. And then sometimes it's not so much that we necessarily become monsters or we just become misguided in our observations of the world. And this is what's happened. 
And that's why the bottom-up approach to fixing society, to fixing society, is most critical. You're not going to fix these problems with a top-down approach without a hard change. Because then the people who are enforcing the top-down approach, their heart is all jacked up. And that's what a lot of my friends on the, on the, on the left don't seem to understand. You're saying, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's injustice and this and this. What makes you think that the people that you employ to fix these wrongs are going to necessarily do the right thing if the issue is heart issues? They're not. We see with our government, they claim the world's going to help the, the disenfranchised and the government just turns around and steals the money. And you can see countless examples of this and you point out to them and they're like, no, we want to try it again. I'm like, what? Are you going to try it again for what? You know, and, and that's the thing. You try to get for a reason. Unless you fix the heart, you're going to keep having these problems. But nobody likes a bottom-up approach because it takes too long. Discipling people, rearing up our children, that, just, that takes years to do that, right? The top-down approach seems to happen immediately and fast. And in many cases, the top-down approach it's necessary. I mean, like an abortion. Yeah. <laughs> we want to end abortion with legislation. But that is the only way. That's only a small piece of the puzzle. But changing people's hearts, that takes time. In our microwave society, we don't want time. We want stuff to happen now, today, this minute. And it's not, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And that's what people need to understand. If you want to fix society, you've got to start with the bottom up. And that starts with improving our families and improving our community. And we have to ask ourselves as individuals, what can I do? What can I do to improve the society in which I live? And that's something that you need to pray about. Because that's something that God has to reveal to you. That's not something that you are going to um, see for yourself. And I encourage people to, to continue to pursue those endeavors of how can I be an asset to my society. And where you start is in your home, in your own family. And you start with yourself. That's what you do. That's the way we improve society. And then we also, we can do two things at once. We can walk and chew bubble gum. Bubble gum. We can work on the top-down approach of fixing society by pushing for legislative change. But most importantly, we need to nurture the bottom-up. And some people may be called to work top-down. Some people may be called to work more bottom-up. It just depends on the person, what God's called that person to do. But we must work in tandem because one can't, one can't function without the other. How are you going to get righteous people to run for office if everybody's heart's all jacked up? There ain't going to be none left. You see what I mean? So that that's that's um that's kind of what I want to talk about today. It's just something kind of short because I, I I feel that sometimes we waste so much time um you know hollering about policies that we don't look at the ultimate source for the problems that we face and that's hearts without God. And if we don't spend time um fixing the hearts of our Americans and not we is actually the Holy Spirit fixed the hearts. But if we don't work to turn hearts to God, then we're, we're, our efforts are futile. They're very futile. 
They're a complete waste of time. You're not going to get anything accomplished if the people reject God. I mean, how are you going to fix society when you have a large swab of the population who reject God? And then to my brothers and sisters who, who are on the political left, you want to give power to people who to want to make it even harder to spread the gospel. So you want to fix society by giving power to people who want to make it even harder to spread the gospel. I am confused. Please tell me how that's going to happen. I, I genuinely want to know. It, it can't. It won't work. So then why do you continue going down this road? You know, and and even to my conservative brothers and sisters and, and the, like myself, um, we have to keep sight that the most important thing will be to spread the gospel. We can't allow ourselves to be emotionally deterred when it comes to election cycles. With that all being said, and I want to make this these couple of points. It doesn't mean we don't stop our political fights, right? I'm definitely not saying that. <laughs> if you know me, you know I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that, is that we have to remember that it has to be a bottom-up approach to fixing society more than anything. And we have to make sure that we have godly people, godly constitutionalists running for public office. And we have to make sure that godly people are in spaces of education and in media and entertainment. That's a big problem. We don't have enough believers are in media and entertainment. And oftentimes when we do enter spaces of media entertainment, we're just preaching to the choir. We need, we need more outreach. And unless we have more outreach, then we're not really getting our message out there if it's just other people who agree with us listening to us. And there's something I try to work on is to get people who don't necessarily agree with me to listen to it. I have to say, I get a lot of, excuse me, nasty comments. I appreciate them. Thank you. Because that means you're listening to me. Maybe I can change your mind. You know what I mean? So we have to enter those spaces, whether you're in business, whether you're in law, and you, you can't be afraid to stand up and, and do what's right. And because the, the more secular our society becomes, the more pressure it is on Christians to conform to the world. The pressure becomes increasingly intense very very intense for us but you can't let that make you afraid that you can't let that deter you you can't let it deter you the word of god should empower you god the holy spirit will empower you and this is my last point i keep saying this i'm gonna wrap up but i got one more point and that's another thing is that i kind of mentioned in the opening that our biggest battle is where god gets the most glory you know, it's very easy to see how somebody or people or a particular situation are victorious if the things were lined up in their favor. We can see exactly how. When everything seems stacked against them, when all the odds are against them, and then they're still victorious? Uh, now, now we see who the real warrior is. And that's God. And so, you know, in our opportunities, in our moments where we feel like things are the most chaotic, things are the most out of control, that's where we dig in deeper 
You're digging deeper to the word of God by hitting those knees and praying and feasting on the word of God. It's the only way our society will get better. That's why the bottom-up approach is far more important than the very important top-down approach. And also to my brothers and sisters on the political left, um, there is no way you're going to fix the issues of society by partnering with people who want to stop the spread of the gospel. Ain't gonna happen. All right. So thank you for checking in and listening to It's Solid Food. You can check me out on all major podcast platforms. You can check out me on YouTube and Facebook at The Christina Karamo Project. You can also check me out on Instagram at Karamo the Great. That's Karamo the G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave and bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles!